All right, I think we are live. So welcome everybody to another episode of Lifestyle Medicine. Today we've got Michael Diamond, who is a, you are a chiropractor by by trade and by skill <laughs> and by education. And you, Michael, tell us a little bit about your background before we get into the, the meat of your work, which is why I wanted you on here. Um, but tell us a little bit about your background, like what you've, yeah, your, your relation to health and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, well, I think the most important things, I grew up in New York and health was actually not a prominent uh, piece in my upbringing. Not on, the, not on the forefront. Yeah, uh, my father was a, a weightlifting coach, a phys ed teacher. Uh, I was involved in all kinds of sports. So physical health was always uh, a prominent piece. But uh, emotional, spiritual, mental uh, growth in that way, uh, I didn't find so much later on. As you said, I'm a chiropractor by trade and did my doctorate in chiropractic and did a postdoctorate in a specialty called network spinal analysis, uh, really mind-body work, mind-body-spirit work. And I've been in private practice for 11 years, two practices, one in uh, Marin County in Northern California and one in Beverly Hills in Southern California. So I've logged a lot of a lot of miles. And props to plane. you Props to you for, <laughs> for doing that whole number for two, pra I mean, a practice in and of itself is crazy. And then to be like, oh, I'm going to take on a second one, you know, <laughs> in a different city. Like, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, that could be a whole nother uh, podcast there. <laughs> right. How to manage that stress. <laughs> <laughs> Lots enough. of ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, been involved in personal development, personal growth, kind of a personal growth. Uh, I don't like to use the word junkie, but definitely on that path for a long time. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, you name it, I've tried it or done it uh, in some form or another, and uh, that's led me in the last few years, specifically getting into men's work and really awakened masculine energy and working with men specifically with one-on-one -on -one coaching and groups and I've really found a passion there and a need and as we talked about previously there it's definitely in our awareness in the culture right now and uh, hoping to in a sense dispel some of the sort of cultural pop things going on around it and to take a deeper dive into uh, what it really means to be mature masculine and being a father and having a son and realizing I'm imparting a lot of that to him. Yep. I want to be super conscious about what it is. And uh, I have a feeling there's a lot more men out there that have similar situations to mine and uh, want to be able to bring this more to the world. Yeah, fair enough, man. And, and that was a thread. Well, and just to give context to this, so I've known Michael, God, how many years? I mean, since I'm 37, I think I met you when I was 24. Maybe yeah, it's been, it was it was a while, it was a while back. So I so Michael is married to Nani Leia, um, Nani Leia Diamond, and uh, her sister Amber. I used to date years back, and that's how I, Michael and I originally met. So I've known you, man, for God, yeah, quite some years now, and I've seen you. I think what was interesting about your work and when you reached out to me and were like, you know, this whole thing about getting you on the podcast watching you, I guess, evolve as a man from that time till now, there's a pretty sizable shift. Like it's pretty noticeable and it's been good. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like, oh, Michael's tanking here. It's like, yeah, you've, you know, your game has been stepped up for sure, which I really appreciate. And you always had a good heart. You're always like a, you're a genuinely nice person, which I think is fundamentally you know, important in this kind of work to not be an asshole. So, so it doesn't help business too much. No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> So 
So what was interesting, though, I think when we started talking about this was uh, there is a need. I mean, I think there's we talked about this in the, the call prior, you know, last week, which was just about, um, yeah, just the dynamics of what's happening in the world. You know, what we would call the the, the shitty behavior, you know, <laughs> that comes out of, of, of things that we see in our culture. Um, you know, the Weinstein stuff. There's just there's so much happening. And at the same time, you know, and we talked about this and I want to hear your your overall take and approach to this. But yeah, men feeling a little under attack, but then also there's a real acknowledgement of like there needs to be some healing in the masculine culture because things aren't going particularly well nowadays. There's there's definitely some stuff afoot that needs work. So I think your work is needed. And I think that was a big piece of I thought you were a good profile too. I thought this is here's a good guy wanting to do men's work and help help men navigate this scene because men are a little lost. You know, there's yeah. de- there's definitely a learning curve of things that need to improve, things that need to be healed, and things that need to be learned. You know, it's kind yeah. of where we are right now. So, with your work, Michael, I guess was it was the impetus from this just seeing what's happening in the culture? Was that kind of just the push, or was it your own personal experience as a father? Like, what was the thing that actually got your lit the fire under your ass and got you moving. Yeah, uh, I'll answer that in a second. But one thing you said, uh, things aren't going well for men. And I would I would offer the opposite and say, it's going really well. I think things are getting revealed sure, and sure, people yeah. are getting uh, woken up to some truths that are pretty uncomfortable right now. For sure. And as we know, as a mantra in transformational work, it's it growth is – or comfort is the poison and yeah. uncomfortableness is where growth occurs, right? It's it's yeah. all about getting out of your comfort zone and yep. stepping outside what you feel comfortable with. Yep. And right now I see that in the culture, we're waking up to the realities of, of how things have been for a while. We call it the patriarchy. We call it lots of things. But the reality is that this stuff's been going on for a long time and it's been kind of distorted. And there's a uh, a desire I know in myself to really connect to what it is to be the mature masculine or the awakened masculine. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't really exposed to that. And yeah. we talked about this where there really isn't a ritual or rite of passage or a way that we bring boys to men in mm-hmm. our current culture. We have ceremonial things that we do. I was raised Jewish. I had a bar mitzvah, yeah. you know, made some money on it. Had a party, <laughs> but sure. you know now you're a man, 13 years old. I have no idea what that means. So right. it's empty uh, in a sense. Yeah, I mean it. It, it felt more uh, of a formality in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful, and you know had to learn a lot to be able to do that. But still, that's one example, and it didn't really, it didn't carry the weight that, and I didn't even know what to expect from it. It wasn't shown to me in that way. Uh, so. I feel like for men, there's a lot of kind of back work that we need to do to kind of catch ourselves up to what's really relevant for the culture. Mm-hmm. But really, it's our children, right? We always say the children are our future. And being a father, it's like nothing is going to step up your game than someone modeling what you do. And yeah. it brings into sharp, sharp focus uh, what, what we're doing, how we're doing it. Uh, a friend, a mentor of mine said they're going to listen to 10% of what you say and do 90% of what you do. So we can right. say all the right things, but they're modeling. Yeah. They're, they're in this place and not just from us, but from the other men, the other people they interact with in the culture. So what I have 
really accepted and accepted the assignment of is becoming a father. I've become a father to all the children out there mm-hmm. and all the boys out there. And we, we must exhibit ourselves in a way that uh, shows them what it really means to be to be a man and to be the masculine energy. And mm-hmm. those are two separate things that, you know, we explored before we can yeah. talk about later. Yeah. Uh, so as I said before, I've been involved in personal growth and transformational work for a long time. And, and what I found over the years taking care of people, interestingly enough, most of the people that enter into this are women yeah. and women tend to take care of themselves better in this regard. Yeah, uh, this sort of very, very true. There's sort of a badge of honor for a man to take on pain <laughs> and suffering, especially mm-hmm. in the Jewish culture. I mean, it's kind of our mantra is just, <laughs> just, we'll just suffer for a while. Right. Right. So, or forever. <laughs> forever. So, uh, so I've been around this for a while, and most of the programs I attend, you know, there's men and women, uh, but I've never attended anything that was purely just for men. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's the same for women. When they get together, where it's just them, there's certain things that can open up that wouldn't happen in uh, a man being present. And the same is true for men's work. Uh, we need yep. to have that sacred container, and we need to set a space where there are, are no women around, where we have the... Uh, freedom to go to places that maybe we've never been before. And my experience has been most men have not gone there. Yeah. They, they need a sort of a, a baseline, fundamental training and understanding of the basics. It's, so. it's very true. And I can say just to re- kind of reflect what you were saying about your dad, you know, I love my dad, you know, passed when when I was 19. Um, but I was very close to my dad. He was a wonderful guy, but he had his flaws. And he was you know, my dad physically was in, he was a Mexican kid in, you know, Southern California town, you know, back in the fifties um, and sixties. And he was picked on a lot. He was in like 50 or 60 fist fights in his life. I mean, it was kind of crazy and he hated being bullied, but so he was very physically like very much um, willing to confront, but like for lack of a better term, like emotionally crippled, really didn't have any capacity to dive into his his patterning, his bullshit, the things that didn't serve him. And so I was left with, and I was also, he was the type of guy who, um, you know, he was, he died at 51. He was 44 before his parents told him they loved him. Like it said the words out loud that he could remember. And mm. so here's a guy who didn't feel loved and was very promiscuous through most of his incredibly promiscuous, in, you know, like five, 600, you know, just ridiculous numbers. And it always left him kind of empty, you know, he, and that was, so I remember growing up and thinking like, is that, I knew kind of about my dad's past and I thought, is that what I'm supposed to do? Is that, Mm. you know, is that the, the mark I'm supposed to leave? And that was, that created a lot of conflict for a lot of years because like you said, the modeling of that and, um, you know, the paradox in that was that my parents were so damn loving and supportive towards me. I never even had that urge to go that route. Like I felt so full, you know, more or less. So I think it's, um, I think you're right. I think there's some very real, I I think I kind of got out lucky in a sense, you know, like, yeah, I've got my challenges, but for the most part, my dad was fundamentally a very good guy and gave me some very great tools, but a lot of guys don't get that. They, and they, and they do get lost. And then, like you said, there's this, there's this, um, this relearning of things that they have to go through to kind of get to a base level to where, um, people aren't hurt, you know, and, basic emotional intelligence in a sense that there's it because it does get <laughs> gets lost yeah i think yeah so i'm agreeing with you just i think the work is needed for sure yeah and i want to be 
careful that we don't make one right and one wrong. Sure. So hearing your story about your dad, I had a very opposite experience in, mm-hmm. in my upbringing. My dad's an amazing man. My parents are still married. They've been married for uh, almost 51 years now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're in a very loving relationship. Yep. We, had, we had a very loving home. My parents were both very present, mm-hmm. told we loved we were loved all the time. So, you know, by all sort of cultural standards, everything was, was great. Right. Uh, and, and I'll give it up to my dad because I've learned a lot from him. I mean, we can go into some pretty awesome stories about that, but, uh, I feel like I did learn a lot and there's always more. And there were things that weren't talked about and there were things that were left unsaid and, uh, not making that right or wrong. It's just, there's also, um, a depth that now being older, looking back, saying, wow, I wish I had more of that. And again, it's through the context of having a son where I feel like there's an opportunity to say, wow, I learned all of this. How would I do it different? Or what would I add to it? I always think of it as like a baton race. So, you know, his father taught him everything that he could have taught him or didn't and gave him the baton and said, now you take it as far as you're going to take it. And he did the best he could with what he had at the time, you know, different, different times in the culture too. I mean, I just recently found out my dad, you know, he grew up in a depression in New York and uh, their generation was called the silent generation. And I just think it's so apropos, right? Before the baby boomers. And, you know, so he did what he knew how to do. Mm -hmm. And he's given the baton to me and now and I'm taking it further. And now I want to make sure my son is taking it even further. And I I see it like exponentially evolving with with each generation. I mean, everything in our culture shows us that every generation, the amount of knowledge and information just is so compressed and and is so exponential. Right. So but a lot of our ways of being have not evolved. And we're trying to exist in a culture where what we what we know and what we have access to, the, there's a big gap there. So it's a lot of catch up. When you talk about emotional intelligence, yeah, we, ha- I didn't get, I didn't learn that, yeah, right? Yeah. A- and uh, there, as we talked about with rights of initiation and things like that, you know, I was in a fraternity, I was on sports teams. There, mm-hmm. These are ways that boys get together and learn and, and they weren't always the most positive. Yeah. So they're, and not making those, again, not making those things wrong because there's a lot of value there. Tremendous. But, yeah. Tremendous value. But, there, but for thousands of years, men have been taking boys out into the woods mm-hmm. and turning them into men and returning them to their mothers, not as boys, as men. Yeah. And we've lost that. And yeah. that also needs to fit in the modern day narrative and the modern day culture uh, because things have changed and evolved. So we we need to bring it into a, a, a more of a current context. I, I agree. And that's a there's a couple threads there that I, I like what you're talking about and that I, I agree with that um, for one, you know, the advancement of technology, it, you know, if we if we kind of break it down into technology and what I would call spirituality or emotionality, you know, whatever you want it to be, but that the inner terrain of a human being, right? The experiential process of, of processing of life and living, you know, technology is getting so accelerated and it's so exponentially fast that we can't keep up. It's al- it's almost like technology pulls us away from our emotional center in a sense. That there's so much distraction and overwhelm in that in that you know in that context that it's just incredibly difficult to get back into tap dead center within. That's not the easiest thing nowadays. Um, 
And then the the piece that you were saying about um, you know the tremendous value or the, the the value of like not calling it right or wrong, right, but taking b- boys out and and having these rites of passage and initiation so incredibly important. And I think when there's not that um, foundational generational structure in place anymore, like you said, it is quite lost. And that restructuring in modern times, I mean, that's a challenge too because it's try it's almost the way I always think about it, it's like America, American culture is such an amalgamation of so many different things coming together. And then you've got this lostness that's in the culture where people don't know how to do it. So it's like, yeah, how do you start building in a way that's relevant for the modern man now that doesn't feel like new age woo-woo, but is also still feels rooted in the masculinity where they feel safe enough to actually explore it. You know, so I, it's really... Um, like I said, my hat's off to you, man. I think for people that are tackling this and wanting to like move forward in this kind of work, it's really um, admirable too. Because I know it's not it's not particularly easy. There's a lot to unpack here <laughs> in terms of what you're what you're taking on. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit there, quite a bit. For sure. And it in talking about right and wrong, it it perpetuates the polarity that we've seen. Yep. Uh, in relation to technology, basically. You know, my mentor, Donnie Epstein, says we're an information overload and we're wisdom deprived. That's so true. Yep. So we have, you know, at the tap of our fingers access to everything that's ever been recorded. That is amazing. And it's a tool mm-hmm. and it's a distraction and it takes us away from presence. Yep. And I think I was just on a, a call with a client and you know, obviously talking about relationship. And I said, I'm, I'm going to give you the end at the beginning. And if we can keep this in our focus, then we'll be successful here. And I said, it comes down to presence. Yeah. And if we could be present with whatever it is and really sit in the fire a little bit. And that's, I think, what we're seeing in the culture right now yep. of, of what's getting woken up. And we quickly want to defend and make our position right and make the other person wrong. The it, it's the arguments lost before we even get started. Right. So yeah, there's an acknowledgement. You know, the I'll just say it. The world's a fucked up place in a lot of ways. It is. And there's pretty. a lot of it's not pretty. And there's a lot of things that are going on that uh, need to get addressed. And it can feel very very overwhelming. But you know, when I see a man transform, I know that's one more man on the planet that's being a protector. That's being a provider. That's showing up the way that it needs to right. show up. Right. And and if we're all doing that, that has an exponential reach, and it matters. You know what? To that man's family, that matters. Yeah. You know, that's one less father ignoring his child. That's one less father hitting his spouse. That's mm-hmm. one less father just taking his own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, how much are we seeing that now? I have a friend, you know, who has a husband that took his own life and he had a, a at the time a, a three and a five-year-old and I can't even imagine that and no. the amount the amount of pain that that man must have been feeling to take his own life with that going on yeah and to, that's, see, to see that as a viable option right it really puts things in perspective to, to yeah. think that you're willing to leave children behind because you're in so much pain right that's heavy and, and, and and the thing about it is, and you hear this classically, like he seemed fine. Yep. He was the most loving guy. He, you know, I I, I would have never have thought it was him, because men aren't taught to express that stuff, mm-hmm. and we we don't know how. Actually, it's not that we don't want to. We just 
we don't have the fundamental yeah. skill sets and how to express. Uh, you know, the only viable emotions men were taught was, you know, anger. Yeah. Right? And we need to learn. And I think this is where we need to learn from the feminine is because they have much more of a connection to a wider bandwidth of emotion mm-hmm. is that it's OK to express that. And it's just energy emotion. And we need to move that. I mean, the purpose of emotion is to radically shift our physiology for making change. Correct. I mean, when we look at really what the fundamental purpose in our body of emotion is. Yeah. And when we don't move that energy, and in, I'm sure you can give a perspective through the Chinese medicine uh, philosophy and perspective, is that when energy gets stuck in the system, it's going to wreak havoc in lots of different ways. Uh, yep. So we need to learn how to move that energy. So in the context of like men's work and being in, in, in a group environment, we are able to to do that, to have men supporting one another in a way where we need to be able to break down and be on the puddle on the floor crying or to get the rage out or, and it doesn't need to make sense, right? So, so often, uh, especially men, we're wired to be a little more logical and it's like emotion's not going to make sense. It's not going to have, we're not going to understand it, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to be able to just move that energy. Yeah. whether it's through martial arts, like like I know you practice, mm-hmm. or it's through sports, uh, but I also feel it needs to be a little more unstructured and a little more primal. Yeah. And I think men in our culture have gotten away from their wild man that's been locked up, yeah. or they never even knew it was there, and really connect to that primal energy in a safe way, in a way where it's not going to come out distorted, where you're just walking into a store, someone looks you at the wrong way, and you start jumping on them. Totally, right? R- we well, got to move that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a there's a term I like to use because it's been a prevalent theme in my life for for many years. And I would I would love to say I I would it w- it's not mine. I read it somewhere or someone said it to me, but it always stayed with me. And I wish I could give credit to where it's that source. But it was controlled extremes for men, and the controlled extremes I think are so incredibly important. Um, right. And there's never a one size fits all. But right for the, for the for the for the vast majority of men. Um, I would say that the controlled extremes piece is very real, and I can tell you from my own personal experience. And this was this was the paradox, right? This was the contradictory thing. Um, you know, in my martial arts background, there was a, a very short period of time I studied something called Kajukempo, and it was just for a few months, and it was within this organization, the North American Tungshidao, and um, it was what you would call the most aggressive and the most physically demanding and the, the, the most physically risky too because you, you, you got hit. There were multiple man attacks and one of the exercises that always stayed with me was they would have you, you know, I'm 6'2", 260 and I was like a, not the biggest guy, you know, so there were like some, there were some big, there were some big, big boys in there, you know, and, um, you know, they would have you stand in horse stance and you would stand in front of someone and you would just, you know, get ready and rail up and you would just rail each other as hard as you could into the lower abdomen and it was to train your lower abdomen to become tough for one to, to withstand the blow how to vocalize in the in the face of impact and also to I think there was just the, the spiritual kind of side of it was just to like course the raw energy that men have there, there was like a two-sided coin to it and I remember going through that and there was so much judgment from some people were like, oh, that's just a violent practice, right? That's, it's just so violent that you're willing to hurt, to like hit each other, you know? And I thought, yeah, fully, like, yes, you could totally look at it that way. But then the guys that were in that class and when we would go through that process, we walked out of there, I mean, feeling like, oh, I mean, there was such an ease. And 
I felt like my collective edge in life, like everything, it's like <laughs> Fight Club, right? <laughs> like it feels like everything kind of got turned down. And I was actually a calmer person from that training. Like it was, it was a weird thing to kind of to dance with. And I still always think about it, how contradictory that was to let that wild, raw, primal energy out. Because how, I mean, I remember thinking, how often does a, does a guy actually get to physically hit some, someone as hard as they can within a controlled extreme and where you're trained on how to take it? But it doesn't happen very often, right? It's like a very controlled, contained space with a teacher who's like making sure that, you know, but it's an extreme. And um, it was powerful. I remember walking out of there and I thought, for one, I feel physically stronger. I could actually deliver a blow better. And two, um, I was able to receive one. And my mind and my spirit felt more at ease because I got to course that thing that was naturally in there, you know, that was naturally there. So, I mean, that is an extreme, right? And it's physical. And I was like, yeah, you could totally look at it like that. But there's a contradictory thing that happens, I think, with expressing primal energy. And like you said, not putting a label on it because it was very easy to like put a label on what we were doing very easily from the outside to be like pointing the finger and saying that's bad you know that's dangerous and I thought maybe but experientially what it did for me mentally and emotionally was amazing like it made me feel incredibly good and all of the guys we walked out of there I mean with more more level heads and I, that was yeah. a, that's a hard thing to kind of get um, your head around I think especially from looking from the outside and maybe as a woman I don't know but um, but I just I hear what you're saying I think yeah. I think there's some key key points here that are really important yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up the word woman or women mm-hmm. because I think in our, and I learned this word from you, our heteronormative traits as the masculine. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I really want to also parse out the difference between men and masculine and women and feminine because we all have both of those, both of those energies and mm-hmm. we need to acknowledge that we do. Yeah. Uh, but I think if we were to, if I had to like sum everything up of like, okay, what is one shift we can make relative to what you've been talking about of getting out that aggressive type energy? Yeah. We we really need to move from perpetrator to protector yeah. as the man. And you talk to any woman and you ask them their experience of walking down the street or being in a foreign city or just the amount of vigilance that women need to uh, walk around with. And as a man, it's like, whew, Yep. We have no idea what yep. that is like. It's correct. And it's and it's and it's it's men that are that perpetrating energy. So if we learn, especially from a young age, that one of our main roles is to be the protector of the feminine, where they can feel safe walking down the street, where you know they, they feel like there's this container around them and they, they have a sixth sense about this. Oh yeah. Women walk down the street, there's someone behind them, they don't even see the hair on the back of their neck stands up. They just know this is not safe, get out of there. Mm -hmm. So what energy are are we as men individually and collectively uh, projecting out into the culture and in the community? Mm -hmm. So I know from my upbringing, I I wasn't, you know, I took judo, I wrestled, you know, Mm -hmm. I I learned some basic things as as a kid, but I didn't really learn how to protect myself in a fight or uh, what to do in those kinds of situations. And, uh, you know, that comes through when you're like, let's say you're in a relationship and you're walking down the street and maybe you're in the city or something. And, you know, your woman can feel like, 
are you going to take care of me here? Right. If, if the shit goes down, what's what up? are you going to do? Yeah, what's yeah. up? Yeah. So, so I remember a few years ago training Krav Maga for I a remember, whole year. I remember talking yeah. to you about that. Yeah. Yeah, which is like the antithesis of martial arts. I remember the first day they were like, so this is not martial arts. And everything that would get you disqualified <laughs> in martial arts is what we're going to teach you how to do. <laughs> right? Right. So – you know, I mean, there was obviously, you know, physical components that were. No, I, well, and I think in the distinction you're making is that there wasn't that like the traditional archetypal attachment of like honor, discipline, integrity, where they're like, this is how you like mess somebody up and like how yeah. you really take someone out in a fight. And it's yeah, no holds barred. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would I would say that in implicit, there was honor, there was integrity, mm-hmm. you know, there were those things, but they were very clear, like. This is how to take someone out. Yes. You're being attacked right. and everything. And, and I think in most martial arts, they're more defensive arts, right? Like, I don't want to fight, right? So, and Krav Maga is the same. But again, there's time and place where you cannot want to be in a situation. And guess what? You find yourself in that situation. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do? Do you have the skill sets to be able to yeah. save your own life, to protect the life that's around you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely important for all men to learn and now uh you know i did that for a full year trained that and i I would love to go back but i feel like now if i'm walking down the street it's a confidence right like why do certain kids or certain people get bullied and why do other kids not right it's it's not anything they say it's it's an energetic that they're putting out like i'm scared i'm why do some people get messed with and some people don't? So to be able to walk around with that confidence and that knowing like, yeah, if stuff went down, I'd be able to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And because I've done that training, I've been able to move that energy. So I'm not looking to be the aggressor. Right. Right. And, and it's most of the time that people have that pent up energy where they're just they're needing a way to get it out. I mean, road rage is like kind of the classic case where it's it's not about someone cutting you off. It's not about oh, I know. those. It's. it's Someone just, they're pissed off yeah, and they need to get it out. And yeah. guess what? You became the receiver of that energy. Yeah, right? absolutely. You, you do have to course it. You have to circulate it. You have to move it. Um, and you, you struck on a really interesting thread with all of this, right? And, it, it, and it's, I, I like this conversation because it's, it's interesting. It's relevant. I think, you know, my, my wife, like we've talked about this, you know, she has said, she's like, she's like, you know, the fact that there's, there's, a, there's a danger element to your background and training you know, like the, those pieces. She's like, for one, it's just it's very, there's a lot of security that comes with that. She's like, but it's weird because it's like, there's also that edge of like, Jordan Peterson talks about this. He's like, he's like, you know, a lot of women like dangerous men. And right. when it's when it's tempered, right? And it's not, not when that danger is directed at them, but when a, a man is dangerous and they have, they have control and it's tempered and it's um, balanced and harmonized, that's very attractive, you know? Yeah. It's and, the bad boy. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a little element of the bad boy, right? And I think that's right. very relevant because, I mean, I, that's legitimately true, I think, in a lot of things I see. Like women I talk to that they're like, yeah, like, they, like that's, that's, a, that's a plus. That's a bonus for sure. And if the guy is completely timid and completely, like you said, is just, you know, cowering in the corner, it's like usually not the... That's not the move, not even physically, right? Just like in, in business and in, um, you know, in friendships yeah. and social interactions, if there's just that timidity, it's not something that's necessarily a good yeah. thing. So there's this harmony, right? Of balancing these, these forces, which I think is, uh, I like, I love that phrase you said, the, um, protector versus, uh, what was it? Perpetrator. Was perpetrator it? versus the protector. That's great. Yeah. Yep. 
so in the context of how do we bring this into the modern day, we talk about the bad boy. It really, what old is new again, it's the warrior. And men need to connect to their warrior. Yep. Men need to connect to their lover. Yep. Men need to connect to their magician. And mm-hmm. men need to connect to their king. Mm-hmm. And we need to know these archetypes. Yeah. And they're really important because we're, we're all of them. And the more we explore them, you know, there's a time to show up as the warrior. Yeah. There's a time to rest in our kingship. There's a time to be the lover, mm-hmm. right? So as we get to know this, and this is about doing the work, like there isn't a, a workaround. There's not a, a hack. <laughs> it's so funny. I love the yeah. word hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, which means basically like how do I not do shit is completely right. like, <laughs> yeah, how do, how do I cheat, right? <laughs> yeah. Give me the result without the work, right? right? <laughs> and I'm all about efficiency and about me optimization. Too. Too. Right. But like there's, there's also like it, there's some work to do here. Right. right. There's some it, it, it's not like uh, there there's nothing like experience. And this is, again, where the older generation needs to bring that to the younger generation, because that's the one thing, you know, these kids these days. Not, it's totally, like we yeah. have all of the information that we'd ever need. Their kids are smarter than us. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm 40. You're almost 40. Like the again, the access to the information. The thing they don't have is experience. The, th- the thing they they are lacking is just the life lived. Correct. And some of them, believe me, have lived life for sure. Yeah. Age does not mean that you live life, sure, but sure, we have certain experiences that that's what we pass on. So we talk about information overload, wisdom deprivation. It's like you want to learn something. Do you go online to look it up, or do you call your dad if you have a living father to right. say, hey? Tell me about this. I need to learn this. I need to know this. So that's not always available. So again, how do we bring that into the modern day? It's it's tribal, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's a tribe nowadays. We're our, so much of our families are fractured. I, I mean, my family lives three thousand miles away from me. So yeah. we have to we have to get together as tribes. And what happens when a tribe gets bigger? It splinters off and they form another tribe. Like it's not meant to be this massive scale organization it's it's this close-knit group of people that are raising the children are are learning and nurturing one another that are teaching the gifts right so how i see it showing up in the modern day is that we're going to have smaller tribes of people maybe collectively living you know kind of bringing back the days of the communes from the 60s and intentional intentional communities as they're called intentional oh is that the new one that's, intentional that's, intentional communities. communities is like the buzzword nowadays <laughs> and which, I, which i'm hip to it i mean I, I've, I've been to intentional communities you know some are a little more hippie than others but other times it's just like you said it's just it's small groups of people who are like-minded who are wanting to to live life in a similar way it's pretty much yeah. what it is you know simplifying some things but bringing that community dynamic and also, like you're saying, I, by default, by association with that does come this, when there's that close network of people coming together to, say, raise children, I think the rites of passage, whether they're planned out or not, are the chances of those types of things happening are considerably higher. Like the, the, it, that organic structure of the close-knit social structure brings that about. It's, it's like way more likely and way more um, fortuitous and... You know, it, it's better at fostering that for sure. Absolutely. The small groups. Uh, you know, we, as we talked about being in that information overload, it's like we're more connected than we've ever been, right? I mean, the fact that oh, you're yeah. in another city, we're having this conversation, yet people are, are lonelier than ever. Yeah. Oh, people dude. are more isolated than ever. Yep. Right? So I, I found it interesting, uh, and this is coming through, but they, 
all of when we had the tech boom here in California, you know, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago now, 20 years ago, <laughs> yeah, right? the concept of like the open office space, right, yeah. came through and they were like, this is going to revolutionize productivity and efficiency and collaboration. And I heard in the last year, they, they looked at, okay, what was the result of all that? And they found that it actually didn't help. Right. It actually made productivity go down, mm-hmm. right? And I love the idea of, of things being open and free and connected, and and sure. I, I think there's a lot of value in that. But for the purpose that they were doing it, it didn't it didn't happen, right? Yeah. Everyone like didn't want to be bothered, right? So we have this culture of isolation of of being like, you know, it, I, I travel a lot, a lot, right? And it's like seeing people sit next to each other at the airport, and they're all on their phone, Dude, right? It drives me well, <laughs> like. I seriously or the families at the oh, at drives the, me crazy, bro. At, at the dinner table, right? And everyone's on the phone and it and it drives it, me crazy, bro. Like <laughs> I, I have like it's so difficult for me. I have I that is like that crux piece right there has like I've had to develop techniques in breathing and like stress reduction because it rattles me. Like it's not yeah, it's difficult for me for sure. I was in my office in LA yesterday and, you know, I'm there and I have the door to, I work in a group environment. I had the door open between the, what we call the entrainment room and the reception room. And there, there were three women sitting out. It doesn't matter if they were women, but the three people sitting out on the reception benches mm-hmm. and they were all on their phones. And I walk out there and I'm like, get off your phones, pretend it's 1995, talk to each other. <laughs> and, and they did. And then I hear them laughing, they're all connecting, and it's like, right. But the irony is that we're on the phone trying to connect, right? We're on, we're on social media, we're, we're learning something, we're messaging someone. It's all about connecting. Or absor- yet- it's a connecting and absor- <laughs> absorbing. There's this need to constantly be intaking, yeah. which I think is it's, it's like consumption, you know? But yes, I, I agree. It's, yeah, right, connecting, absorbing, and it's like, Jesus, what about waiting? We've, we we know we know at um, uh, Tatiana you know she uh, she she has said people have forgotten how to wait like the beautiful elegant art of waiting which is yeah. basically just attentively being aware you know it's it's gone or it's virtually gone nowadays yeah it's not there we need to be okay being bored so to kind of start yes. bringing it back into you yeah. know what our initial conversation was like yeah. I see it with my son where. You know, there's a tendency, you know, you want to schedule them into activities or get together with people. Yeah. And it's like we're on, you know, one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And there's this there's this tendency to overschedule. And then they're like they're like looking for the next dopamine hit. They're like, what are we doing next? Like what's happening next? And I'm like, we're doing nothing next. What do you mean we're doing nothing? <laughs> yeah. What the it's hell like, is nothing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like go play in the dirt. And we can talk about the benefits of all that. But mm-hmm. it's like being bored. It's okay to be bored. That's where our imagination kicks in. That's where our creativity kicks in, right? And, you know, I'm first and foremost a healthcare practitioner and the detriment this is doing to our health and our vitality, it's like literally sucking the life force out of us. Yeah. And I I see this with the men I work with, like they're, they're fat, they're, you know, no energy, they're, uh, you know, chronic illnesses, back pain. I mean, all these things that, you know, weren't around 50 years ago, <laughs> 40 years ago, I know. 30 years ago. So, you know, there's this primal energy that we need to get back to through the context of, you know, raising our children right mm-hmm. and you know, 
passing along a, a legacy, whatever that legacy may be. Mm-hmm. It's not just work, 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 and then die. Like that is kind of passe at this point, right? So, but it happens, man. Yeah, it and happens you know, all the time. there's a lot of pressure on men and yep. women. Yeah. Again, we're specifically talking about men here. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, and we talk about suicide, things like that. Uh, you know, men are under a lot of pressure, and we internalize that pressure. And we know when we internalize pressure and it builds up, that's again what we've been talking about and the detriment that has. Mm-hmm. So we need to find outlets. We need to find ways that we are connecting to one another, and especially just as men and being in that environment, because a lot of times men live on a little island, thinking they're the only ones going through this. And yeah, you get very- around each other, we realize like, oh, uh, so I sit in some men's circles and we have this thing that we do when a man is sharing and uh, it's something relevant to, hey, I acknowledge you or, hey, I have that same experience. We raise our hand just not to interrupt, but just to add like, hey, I, I agree or I've had that experience. And it's invariably all the time. It's like, you know, we're all going through the same stuff and yeah. You know, we even just in the witnessing of that, there's transformation and healing that occurs. And uh, I think we need to bring that more into the what you call the heteronormative uh, behaviors, <laughs> which I can't of, stand that phrase, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, I, okay. yeah, but I did share I it with you. you. I'm not really into it. No, so I'm not into it. it at all. But it, it's <laughs> only because in the context of how it's used nowadays, it's from like the hyper liberal left where it's like. The things that are normally masculine, like my my Kaji Kempo experience of punching men in the gut and loving it and feeling good about it is like just the, the devil energy of the patriarchy ruining the world. So that's the way it's <laughs> typically used. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, no, please. Like, no, please. But yes, but yes, the normative stuff that happens. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> So I think we need to bring into the culture that it's okay for men to sit in circle. I mean, women have been sitting in circles for millennia, right? Men need to sit in in these types of environments where there's there is witnessing going on, there is expression, there is uh, working through things, doing the work. So that's what I'm hoping to bring more into the the modern day. Yeah, and 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 that's gonna you know, and then from a tribal sense, having these circles all around the country or all around the world. I mean, this would really take care of a lot yes. as far as some of the challenges that we've we've been talking about. And what do you think, and I'm asking this because we obviously travel in different circles, you know, and, and like where my, my platform is directed and what you're doing, right? There's different different social circles that we bump elbows with. And so I know there are guys listening to this who are like, straight up and they're on the defensive because of where the culture is and and some men are feeling attacked you know regardless of whether whether that whether that's right or wrong there's a lot of men that feel under attack right now mm-hmm. and so when you when men are like they hear this and they're like I don't need fixing I'm good I raise my kids well you know there's that defensive wall of like I'm doing the right things I'm taking care of my wife I'm raising my kid you know I'm not catcalling women I'm not doing these things that everyone says I'm doing how do you address that? I, I guess, and maybe you haven't come across it, but how do you kind of like see yourself um, dealing with that? Because if th- if this goes large, I mean, I know just from the men I've talked to, that's a that's a piece. Like that's the that's a wound that men are carrying right now too. And I'd be lying if I said I don't carry some of that. Where I'm like, what you know, I f- I feel men have been demonized in recent times because of some very poor behavior of definitely mm-hmm. some men, but then all men get categorized as like 
you all need work, yeah. you all need fixing. So how do you, yeah, just that, that sensitivity and that terrain of navigating <clears throat> men, how do you, how do you think about that? How do you like, yeah, how do you move through that terrain? <laughs> <laughs> A few ways. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, to the men out there that are doing their work, showing up, providing for their family, uh, all the things that you said, bravo. Yeah. Keep it up. Yep. Keep doing that. We need more of that on the planet. Yeah. Um, and in that in that same vein, there's always work to be done. There's always mm-hmm. layers of depth. I mean, that's what I've learned. You know, the proverbial layers of the onion. We all have things um, that we've gone through that uh, yeah. need to get addressed. Uh, and specifically, I, I've seen this in in a lot of the men's work I've done, where these are good men mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. You know, when you get a group of men together, 30, 40 men, like these are good men. Yeah. And then when you get underneath and they, you actually go into like that descent and look what's underneath, every single one of them has a wound. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them has something. And this is the thing. We may not think like, well, my dad didn't hit me. My, you know, I, I wasn't abused, you know, and that's that's an extreme form of violence or perpetration and, yep. uh, you know, ways that it can show up. But it doesn't have to be that serious either, mm-hmm. right? Or it could be that the pressure to perform or to get good grades or – I mean this is the thing. When you start delving into this world or going into that sort of, as I said, descent and, and exploring what's going on down there, it's amazing what comes out. Yeah. Like, holy shit, I didn't realize that's the the story I've been telling myself for 40 years of my life. I didn't mm-hmm. realize like – that was the pattern that was set up. So let's just get this out there. 90% of our life is unconscious, and these are the patterns that we've learned in the first seven years of life. Yeah. So we're living out these unconscious patterns, whether we like to think of it or not. Dude, just, right? just as, a, as a side segue to that comment, on my I'm 37. On my 30th birthday, we're in Mount Shasta with a bunch of my buddies, my closest friends, and my mom, and they make this slideshow. And I'm watching the slideshow and there's all these pictures of me when I'm zero to seven, say zero to six. And as I'm looking at the pictures, I'm realizing I don't remember any of that. Like the pictures, I'm like, wow, there's me doing this thing. Oh, there's me in a little toy crib doing this thing. Oh, there's me climbing in a tree. There's me. And I remember, I remember distinctly like the light bulb went off where I thought I'm looking at my subconscious. I'm looking at the stuff I literally don't remember but that as my little brain was a sponge and I was just soaking up the world, I'm looking at it. And it was kind of cool because as I was looking at the pictures, I was very happy. You know, it was just, there was so much love and joy and all these cool things. But I thought, I felt blessed and lucky. And two, I thought, God, that's, that's true for everybody. Like that stuff we can't remember. It's in there, right? That's the, that's like the deep, deep neural connection of the brain and how we start to operate through life. So it's relevant to, Acknowledge that, right? No one, no one gets out unscathed. Right? <laughs> yeah, and we don't know what those things are going to be. Again, yeah. they can seem totally innocuous uh, from just a a different perspective, but yeah. that is conditioning how we how we treat women, how yeah. we how we operate in the world, what level of integrity we have, whether we are aware of it or not. It is playing a huge part in how we how we experience life mm-hmm. right so i think it's super valuable for men 
regardless of where you think you're at, there's always growth that can happen. There's always awarenesses. There's always uncovering of, of, you know, a lot of times, like you said, we want to defend against and we want to, well, that's not me, right? And as soon as we we create that polarization, Uh there's the disconnect right there, where if Uh we are able to finally just say, you know what, let me turn that finger on me for a moment and just take a look yeah, and be willing to go there, right? Yeah. And not even for your own transformation or growth, but for your children or yeah. for the next generation, knowing that by you doing your work now, it's going to have an effect on the field for that. Correct. Right, Co- which is sometimes correct. a hard concept for men and people to get in general. Like, what do you mean this is going to affect the past or it's going to affect the future? Like, right. that's that's a you know a big thing for people to start to understand, not to get too metaphysical, but it does. Well, that's right? these are patterns. That's <laughs> these are cultural patterns, right? That's life. And, there is right. There is a metaphysical. <laughs> I mean, at least for me, I mean, my life doesn't make sense without some kind of metaphysical lens. You know, there's something in there that's uh, beyond the mind and material. <laughs> that's for sure. We have to accept there's things that we don't know. Yeah, and, and we don't care. Know, yeah. The best way I, I I liken it to people, it's like you know, you have the light spectrum. And visible light is about this much of it. Yeah, little but, tiny bandwidth. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I get on my cell phone. I don't know how it works, but those are those are radiation waves. Those, you know, the X-rays, gamma ray. I mean, there's all this frequency of light going on that we don't see, but is there? Yes. Right. So that's just an easy way to know that, like, there are things beyond our mind. There's things beyond what we understand. And you know, when I do work with people, like, oh, this is magic. This is magic. <laughs> yeah. And I tell them magic is an illusion. This isn't magic. This is doing the work and it's transformation. The result is magical. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right? Like right, the quality, at, yeah. Yeah, you look at what happened, you're like, how did that happen? Like right. that was the you know, A plus B did not equal C there. Right. 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 Absolutely. But there's a there's a showing up. There's a being present. So we talk about, you know, dads and, and being a dad and I remember the thing my dad when i was going to be a father i call my dad right the wisdom yeah, yep and i say so i'm going to be a dad what's your advice you know and he said 80% of it is showing up yeah 20% is how you show up yeah but if you just show up that will take care of most things and when you're tired on sunday and your kid wants to go throw the ball around go throw the ball around with him yeah and you know, my son is now in T-ball, and I was having a, I was throwing the ball with one of the dads. We were kind of reliving our youth in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I said to him, like, you know, a lot of problems would be solved if if men just threw the ball around with each other. And he was like, yeah, that, yeah, that's sure. So it's it doesn't have to be complicated. I guess is my point here. Like, and you know, we need that's to just relief. Yeah, because yeah, men think, oh, it's it's so much work, or I gotta. I don't have to go into these wounds. I don't know what they are. It's like, no, you just need to do some basic things to realize that you are more than just this meat skeleton. You know, like there's some. I like I like flesh suit. I use that phrase all oh, the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So and, and for men, we're simple creatures, right? I don't want to make this too complicated for men in general. It, we're not that complex. Right. But we need to learn, <laughs> you know, we need to learn how to feel. <laughs> my, 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 my uncle Bruce, who's my aunt Nancy's husband, who's like from Detroit and he's just so like Detroit, you know, through and through. And I was like, I was like, so Bruce, what do you need? And it was hilarious. Cause he's like, he's so old school Detroit. He's like, 
fuck me, feed me, love me. I'm good. You know, like that, that was his like Detroit wisdom, life wisdom, but it always stayed with me. I was like, you are a simple creature. And he's like, if I got those things from my, from my loving wife, I'm good. You know, like he, and I was like, he's like, the formula is very simple, you know? Yep. And then when he talked about his kids, of course, he's got two beautiful girls and my cousins. And, uh, but yeah, I think that simplicity is a load off, man, because I think that that's a, that's a, a thread that I would lead with as you continue this work, because I think that's a big, that's a big thing that men, yeah, men are like already overwhelmed, feeling the need to provide, to do all these things. There's definitely like, oh God, now I got to go to personal therapy and I got to look at myself and I've got to unearth every Freudian thing about my mom. And people are just like, they're terrified. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look at all this crap. I don't want to do all this work. And it's kind of um, nice to hear that it can be a simpler process than just unearthing everything that's, you know, rough and god awful. And th- and there was a thread there that I wanted to to point back to, you know, when you were saying, you know, kind of taking that lens and angling it back, right, and accepting that we can all improve, right. If if, if you if you accept that you as an entity, a spirit, a human being is like a tapestry and you can always learn to repaint this thing and kind of get, you know, you can always reshade it and pencil it and do different things with it. I think that's a great way to look at it. And I think, and we talked about this when we, last week when we had on our call, we were kind of orienting like, you know, what we're going to talk about on the podcast. You know, I think in an ideal world, we would get to a place where men could just naturally self-reflect, right? And have it be kind of a, a thing that naturally propagates in us where we look back at ourselves. And I think that that process, for whatever reason, technology, culture, life, everything is pushed external. And now the tables have turned and people, you know, and, and the things are coming to light and being, people being like, look, you're full of shit. There's some bullshit here <laughs> and there's yeah. problems. And then there's that defensive thing. And you said something really poignant, which I liked, which was, you're like, that kind of has to happen, right? Like that's, that's the pattern interrupt. That's the thing that has to, you can like judge it and say it's wrong or right or whatever, but it's like in the end, things being brought to the surface ultimately are a good thing. You know, it, yeah. however it comes to pass, it's like if things are being brought out, they're being brought out. You know, it's like the wound is unearthed regardless. And I think that has merit. Um, and even if it's a bitter pill to swallow for some men, you know. Yeah. So this kind of goes back to what you're asking, like men that maybe get defensive, like I don't have the work to do. There's a waking up that you're talking, that we've been talking about that has yeah. to happen. And whether we are personally the perpetrator of that energy on the planet or even just being witness to it it can't be okay with us anymore yeah we don't have to be the one personally responsible for causing that pain on the planet but by being witness to it or looking the other way or not doing something about it we are just as much in violation of that and that is a hard pill to swallow for some men oh yeah and especially when men are trained to be so isolated, right? Yeah. There's like a, like you said, it, 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 the, the programming is pretty deep in terms of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We need to lift each other up. We mm-hmm. need to come together in this way. And so there's a waking up, but then there's a stepping up. It's one thing to be, uh, to be aware of what's been going on and, or to see the pain on the planet that's been caused to women, to children. Like that is to me, my standard, that is not acceptable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and this shows up in lots of ways on the, on, in our culture and on the yeah. planet. So there's a stepping up to actually taking action and, and 
raising our standard and doing something different and treating people in an honorable, noble, chivalrous, integrous way. Mm-hmm. And I really firmly believe that code of chivalry in, the, in a modern day context must be brought back. So mm-hmm. there's that ritual and rite of passage and initiation that we talked about, which I think is more of like a Native American type of yeah. uh, uh path and then there's the the code of chivalry which is more of our like european descent and more of like nobility and kingship and the you know feudal hierarchies and all of that and you know there was a lot around that but just the idea of this you start out as a page right you start out right all you do is you're learning. You're learning about art. You're learning about music. You're learning about self-defense. You're learning about how to take care of the horse, all of the things. And then you're a squire, right, which right. is you're basically the assistant to a knight where you yes. are taking care of his swords and his weaponry and his horses and you're learning from him directly. Right. And then you become a knight and a knight lives by the code of chivalry. Right. And that – just it's gone. It's completely gone. It's gone, man. Right? It's gone. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not around. It's like, it doesn't mean that it's not, well. It's, it's embedded it's, in the culture in I, certain ways. I, I would say it's dormant, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's not dead, but it's like, yeah. it's dormant. It's in there, right? Deep down. It's like, the, it's in there. Um, but yeah, a man the, opens the door for you or gives right. you a seat. And honestly, those things don't even happen a lot anymore either, you know? Uh, so it. There needs to be a modern day code of chivalry Mm -hmm. that needs to be brought back in. And that is a learning. That is a passing down of that. So there's that's the step up. We need to realize like there is work to do there. It's 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 not a hack. It's not about it being easy per se. It's about showing up. So, so Michael, so, I, I got to ask one question here because I have these funny things that pop through my head as you're talking because I'm like, that's funny. There's some humor here because, okay, just as a, as a side thing. And, and in the end, I know this doesn't really matter to your platform in the larger sense because you're going to move forward and like help men. Okay, so like I get it. But like a couple years ago, I opened a door for a woman just being like, you know, opening the door straight up. Like no, no agenda, you know. And she's like, you think I need that door held open for me? I mean, that was the like response I got. And I remember thinking like, <laughs> I, I laughed when she said it. I was, I was like, are you, are you, is this really, is this, is this what's happening right now? As I was just genuinely person to person doing, cause I opened the, I opened the door for guys too. You know, right. I'm like, I opened the door. <laughs> so there's also this weird thing that's happened too sometimes where the culture is like there's that that vibe exists and it does happen and i know it doesn't really like matter in the large context because it's like whatever right like that's not something at least for me it's not something i I give attention to i still hold the door open for people and it's not going to jade me but i guess do you think that kind of thing is a result of just things being so screwy and out of balance that it's created this counter counter awkward swing to that kind of stuff do you think is that kind of like your take on it or what would your take on it be? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And you use the word jaded. And I think a lot of women have been jaded. Yeah. And they've been hurt. And it's – the feminizing of men has caused the masculinization of women. Yes, I agree. And when a woman says, I can do it just as good as a man, no, no. 
you could probably do it better than a man in a lot of ways, <laughs> right? That doesn't mean it's to be done, right? Right. So in your in your uh, example of the woman saying, "Do you think I need that done for me?" Yeah, I was like, I would be like, "No," but it's my desire to do it. Yeah. You think that's going to change her perspective on it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> Maybe if I was lucky, but I mean, she gave me the stink eye, and I, I just yeah. laughed. And, and, like, a, and a classic male response would be like, "Fuck you, then," yeah. right? And it would perpetuate that energy. Yeah, right. For sure. So it's like we need to be able, as men, to pierce through that shell or that armor that's been going on. Yeah. That's what I see as being really important here. Yeah, is that we need to pierce through the layers and layers of protection yeah. that yep. have been going on. And again, bring it back into the context of health because you're, you're a lifestyle man and your yeah, health. It's like sure. how many diseases are women expressing now because of this hardening that's happened because of like having to show up in a way like, I mean, man, my hat's off to women, mothers and how they show up in the world and the, the sacrifice that they will endure to make sure innately that everyone is taken care of. Yeah. I see it in my practices all the time where it's like they give, they give, they give, they get shitted on and they're left with nothing. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm saying about waking up. It's like we can't be okay with that. Yeah. Whether we personally caused it or not. Like if we personally cause it, yeah, you better wake up and take some new actions. Yeah. But if you're not doing it, then that tells me you have some energy to give over here. Yeah. Yeah. You have some energy to, to, to transform this on the planet. And here's the third piece of it is that when we do that, then we get to sit in our kingship. Mm-hmm. We get to sit in our legacy. We get to receive the gifts of acting and showing up in the world in this way. Mm-hmm. Because it is about us each being in our king, our sovereign king, and about women being in their sovereign queen. And everyone knows it's the king and queen because everyone brings their gifts. Everyone wants to show up. Everyone wants to show you what they can do for you mm-hmm. because you've shown up for them, mm-hmm. right? You've led, you've led them in this way. And leading means going first, yeah. means being transparent. Be, it's being humble. It's having integrity. Right. And I just realized I was, I was thinking about the word integrity the other day. And I realized embedded in the word integrity is grit, integrity. And we need yeah. to have more, have like more a, grit. Yeah. Men are soft. We've gotten soft. Well, right? dude, I like <laughs> man, my, my preference collectively, especially nowadays. Right. I like I like gritty guys, you know, like my. That like the the guys that I intentionally choose to be around are gritty. It doesn't mean they're assholes, you know, or or like dominating types. But I, I like the grit type for sure, man. I, I that's it's a choice, you know. It's like I, I appreciate that. It's a it's an admirable trait, and I think that I think culture man has gotten really soft too. It's it's like it's hit men for sure, but I think it's like you know the outrage culture you know everything everyone is so offended so quickly and so easily and it's just left it's 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 left a very strange mark on the culture and definitely men it's like it's it's affecting all of us right but yeah in the context of men it leaves a very specific mark and it's not i don't think it's a good thing yeah it's not you yeah, need you well, need resiliency you know like resiliency is a really important trait <laughs> it's really important i heard someone describe it this way it's like Nowadays, nothing surprises us, but we're offended by everything. Yes. 
Good God. <laughs> so we need to like rein it in a little bit. We need to get some grit back in there. We need to learn about chopping wood and carrying water and getting back to some real I always I always tell my team in the office too, it's like always go back to the fundamentals. You know, we right. all we all want like this really fancy growth and we use all this soft language and everything and it's yeah. like we need to get back to some basics. Like yeah. be a good human being. I, I love George Carlin. I love comedy and he you know, he has this whole bit about um, the commandments and going through them yeah. and basically realizing like yeah. it you know, like he, he's trying to get all the commandments down to like one and eventually it's like don't be an asshole. Like, <laughs> right. <that's>, Straight up. <laughs> just don't be an asshole and, and the world will be a better place, right? Yeah, so, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 I think we've we've gotten soft in that way and we, we don't want to offend anyone and, and it's uh it's making for for just a soft generation. Like you said, people are offended by everything and 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 rightfully so in some respects. We need to honor people in a different way that we uh we haven't and there's a lot of just phrases that we use that mm -hmm. are demeaning that we've just accepted as everyday you know phrasing that's like embedded in the culture and um what's got your panties in a waist and you know all of these things that we don't think about like oh that that's pretty demeaning to women like what that's that's not good <laughs> so I think it's important that we really take the time to look at how are we showing up, the integrity of our words, uh, our, our, the energy we show up with, the, the actions we take. And uh, I think everyone is walking around on eggshells trying not to offend everyone, but yet you get behind a computer screen and people just – blast one another keyboard warriors and, keyboard oh, is that what it is keyboard warriors keyboard, yeah keyboard warriors yeah i've ever like... seen this uh satire where it was like if if facebook comments were how you talk to people in real life and they had this whole skit of like people be, walking up there'd be fights like all the time people would be throwing people would be throwing down like it would be yeah it's brutal yeah i know i totally agree what i you know man that's the thing i i've you know, it's a little side tangent, but you know, just this this thing you're talking about, right? Like the sensitivity of, of the culture, how this affects men, how this how this moves everybody t towards this direction, which isn't necessarily good. But it's like, you know, these phrases, you know, words, um, things that become pejorative over time too. My wife is Asian, right? Um, the word Oriental is now a pejorative in in modern times. You know, <clears throat> when I was talking to like my mom and my parents' generation, they're like, the Orient is a region. You know, to say Oriental meant like from the Orient, but now it's it's this pejorative word and some, you know, and it's usually the intent behind a word, right? It's how we use it. Sure. And I think that's the piece, that's the energetic piece that I think people forget, right? Um, you know, I don't drop the N word, but like when black comedians use it, right? It's the intent behind how they use it um, in that context with what, when they're using it. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's abrasive. And I think that's the thing that like is, is sort of lost in all of this too. Like the, don't get your panties in a bunch, right? You know, like it's funny you bring that up. I've talked to my mom about that phrase and a few others. There's a few, my mom's a, a, like a, a wordsmith and I am too. Like we, we're always like, we're an English writing family type. And I love your mother, by the way. Yeah, isn't she great? Yeah, she's the best, man. <laughs> Shout out to mom. Um, but she said, she's like, she's like gray. She's like, you know, a lot of these things were also when roles were more defined. She's like, so those phrases were saying, as a role as a man, right, as the provider, as the, as the, 
the stoic, tough guy, don't act like a woman. She's like, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's saying stay within your role and like, you know, basically maintain the role. And I'm like, I get that. I said, but mom, nowadays people that, that, I think that thought process doesn't even get hurt anymore. It's like, it's sort of like, it gets, um, it's just immediately offensive. And, and there's an assumption, right? My mom always has said to me, she's like, assume positive intent, right? Like with people. And if you assume positive intent, life is usually a little easier because you're a little more resilient and things kind of bounce off of you. She's like, but it's sort of the opposite now, right? There's, there's an assumed negative intent more, more often these days, which is why people are offensive that you're assuming someone's out to like, to get you. This was brought up with, you know, uh, did you ever watch in living color back in the day? Oh, yeah. Okay. Keenan Ivory Wayans. Oh, yeah, the Wayans brothers, right? <laughs> if you go back and watch that now, one of the most politically incorrect, completely irreverent, irreverent like shows, and to this day, still hysterical to me. Like, And I think, I watched that, I'm like, you know, if you were to play that now, people would flip out. Because nobody was safe, right? Didn't matter what nationality. Handyman, right? There was, there was a handicapped superhero that like, you know, he, I mean, it was like that whole bit. I remember thinking like nowadays I had, I had, I had disabled friends in, in grade school who loved handyman. Cause they're like, we never get any airtime. This is great. Like they were, they were so stoked, you know? Um, and, and like, I, I think now I'm like, there's something lost in that. Right. When, the, when the humor, I think when the intent of like, nobody's safe, right. That was the, that was the genius of in living color. We could, we're going to make fun of everybody you know yeah so i think there's there's something in there that's lost nowadays what, what you're talking about and i think it's i think it's really powerful to, to like bring it back and i think this pivot what you said grit right there's a certain amount of grit and like toughening up a little bit um especially for men like god it's just i like where this is going because it makes my mind kind of like look at this from a bunch of different angles and i think it's such good work to be doing right now man like it's so good you know i opened our conversation up with i grew up in new york yeah. and if you didn't have grit, you were going to die. <laughs> no joke, dude. And, and, you know, I remember moving out to California. There's even that song. It's like, live on the East Coast, but leave before you get too hard. And live on the West <laughs> right. Coast, but leave before you get, get too, too soft. soft. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> so, and I've been out here for uh, actually this month, 16 years. I've, I've been in California. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was first uh, out here and you know I was with Nani Leia, we were hanging out and we'd be hanging out with someone and I'd be like busting their chops, making fun of them. And they sort of, you could tell uncomfortable or oh, getting yeah. offended. Oh, yeah. And Nani Leia would have to like tap him on the shoulder and be like, he really likes you. Like that's how they, <laughs> that's how they show it. You know? Yeah. He's from New York. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do, you know? And, uh, I've, I've definitely noticed how I've had to temper that and, and just being out here, I think, by nature and, yeah. and honoring people and all of that. But like like you said, it's the positive intent. It's right. We and we've lost that intelligence, that emotional intelligence to be able to read that. And some of that is just um, we haven't learned it. Some of it is because of technology. We yep. we uh, you know, you read an email and I could read it one oh, way. Right. You can read it another I way. And, and yeah. we can't you know, okay, we have emojis now. Okay. That helps a little bit, <laughs> yeah, but much, like right. <laughs> we, we've lost the art of, of perception of how to, how to read the situation, how to, you know, you, body language, right. How to, how to read energy, how to just, uh, you know, again, with women, like if they're safe or not, like we, we've, 
that has been lost. Like we need yeah. to reconnect to like our our vitalistic self, right? Yeah. Our prime self, our emotional self, our our soul self, our spiritual self. The one thing we've overused is our mind. I mean, we have just been in this like very strong mind energy. I mean, from from watching the news to being on social media to just everything is data or metrics yes. or you know and there's just no, there's no depth there anymore it makes you sick i mean there it literally. makes it makes you literally sick i mean this is um this is a this is a thread i use in my platform i use with my clients and i use it with friends people i talk to but I, it was one of the coolest ideas that came out of chinese medicine right in the end when i came out with chinese medicine i'm like there there are probably like three to five core theorems that i sort of apply and use because they're simple they're foundational and they're applicable right you can plug them into anybody and one of the things they talk about is these three centers in the body, right? Like when you uh, you know from network, right? The, um, the it's called SRI, the three breathing centers. It's yeah, like yeah. Belly, diaphragm, and then up high, right? There's like three spots yeah. you put on. So Chinese medicine the, talks the vagus nerve. Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 So I, I remember doing that exercise when I was in network years back, and they but Chinese talked about this, right? The lower gut, your gravitational center, your instinctual response, the gut response, right? Your physical sure. gravitational center, right? They call it the hara in Japanese. Then you've got the the middle center, right, which is like the heart and lungs, the area, the diaphragm, right, and this is like um, where breath and vitality is taken, in, and and it's also where uh, emotion circulates, sort of. And then you have the upper, the upper they call it dantians, three dantians. The upper one is like the mental field, right. This is the lighthouse, the beam of light, that is the most immaterial, but it's the taskmaster. It does all these things, and the way they have it built in classical Chinese medical theory is it's like a pyramid, right. The lower dantian, the lower gut, is the biggest foundational block. It's like a pyramid like this. The second one up is this, the emotional, you know, heart-centered breath area where you circulate energy on a day-to-day -day basis. And then that upper tier is the mental piece. And they're like, this is the foundation for longevity. You need to be rooted in your physical body. Be aware, be able to move it, right? Stay connected. And by staying there, right, there's what comes with that. The lower center, there's sex, security, exercise, you know, center, like moving your body. Yeah. And then, right, emotions, being mindful, right? But, but, but the foundation for those emotions to be stable is this larger platform below. Like, are you in your body? And the top one, and what they're seeing and what, you know, I kind of like theorize and, con, you know, contend is that like that pyramid's upside down now. Like, we are all mental bandwidth. You know, the, the, the middle area, I guess, is kind of the same in the body and this route to ourselves is kind of lost, you know, and people are people are sick. People are kind of like whacked out and crazy and people are super sensitive because there's no root in just, you know, metaphorically, no root. Like if someone throws a, a verbal toss at you and you're like, oh, you just flip out. It's like <laughs> you could probably relax, you know, like yeah. if you're rooted in your center as a person, it's not going to be as destabilizing, you know, we need so, bandwidth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a lot of cross-reference to what you're talking about in, in lots of, uh, you know, different perspectives. And, you know, in in the healing models I've been trained in, you know, we have that life force intelligence you're talking about, mm -hmm. the emotional intelligence, our mind. And then I would say in, in your example, it's like the soul and the spirit. Yeah, the spirit's above that, right. Correct. Right? Yep. So, and here's the thing. We need integration of all those, mm -hmm. right? And we've culturally rewarded certain ones like we reward the mind in the big culture time. big time right so and and they're all just lines of development 
you know, when we were single cell organisms, we were all life force. That's all it was. That's all yeah, there was. Right. And then when those organisms came together to, to form fish and then form amphibians and animals, then we had an emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when we developed to be human beings, we developed the mind. Mm hmm. And then an evolution of humans, now we have the soul and we have the spirit. That's what really makes us, uh, I don't want to say unique because I think animals have souls and spirits as well. But yeah. uh, as humans, like we're an integrated whole of all – we're a holarchy of this. Yes. And yeah, it's it's been flipped. Some of them have been completely ignored. Like there's no – uh, integration of this and yeah. and you know for someone like you and me we've spent our a lot of our life studying this so we've been very fortunate but we don't have that again we don't have these things being taught to us in the culture we don't yeah. have uh, this is what's being taught in school this is what parents right. are passing down to their children this isn't the uh, prevalent wisdom that you know and, and this hits on a lot of other kinds of subjects but the culture is not interested in your well-being. <laughs> it's, it's interested in you remaining yeah, quiet and sick. And we profit off of you being quiet and sick. Don't say too much and just be ill so we can feed you some medicine. Like, yeah, take your people the wrong way. No, no. I mean, it, it's <laughs> sad but true. Take your pills and be quiet, right? It's just, yeah, it's very much the status quo and it's um yeah it's not a sustainable model that's for sure you know <laughs> oh, no. and that's the thing it's crumbling right now yeah so is. when you cut the head off a dragon that tail is going to whip for a little while yeah and we're seeing the whip happen and that whip is the the dragon trying to stay alive yeah right so and that shows up as as tyranny it shows up as oppression it shows up as control yep and we're and and we're seeing that in subtler and not so subtle, but subtler and subtler ways where we've given up our freedoms, we've given up our privacy, uh, all at the expense of expediency and efficiency. Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw you post recently, just getting on a little tangent, no, but no, it's okay, ar yeah. around the around like five G and and the implications of that. Why? So we can watch movies faster. Yeah, it's so that kids are just getting sicker and sicker. It's like finally, when are we going to wake up and say this is not okay? Yeah, right. It's Right. What, at what point? Right. At, at what point do you delineate and draw the like, you know, wait a minute, like hold on. Yeah, it's that not being quiet anymore. Right. It's like yeah. my wife and I spoke on that, man, just to like flush that tangent out a, a hair more. You know, we spoke on that topic and it was one of those things we went out there. And I remember there were parents in there saying, look, we have reasonable concern given there are scientists saying that these things could like cause mutagenic properties in cells, could cause cancer. And we're like, that's not a reasonable risk. That's not reasonable in the slightest. And it was like the next person got up and this guy who just doesn't, didn't have kids and was just like, he's like, you see this thing right here? It's one of the best pieces of tech we got. And I can stream with 5G. I can stream a movie from anywhere in the, you know, in the city, county. I can, be, I can be sitting at Walmart and stream a movie, 10 movies at a time. And it was like, you just saw the dichotomy of like, there are people up here talking about children's safety and you're talking about the speed of movies. You know what I mean? Like this is where people have have gotten, but there's a there's a weird. It's weird, man. Yeah. It's very strange. Like it's very weird. Like I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> yeah. So here's world. the thing. <laughs> there's a piece of my idealism that's not there anymore, in the sense that I don't think we're gonna 
change everyone in the world, yeah, right? I agree. And here's the thing. We don't need to. Yeah. We just need to hit a tipping point. We right. need to connect to the people that are conscious and help them become more conscious. Yeah. And as that hits a tipping point, it will have an effect on everyone. There are people, their line of development is where it is and that's not moving. That guy, he wants to stream his movie. That's just, you know, say la vie. There's yeah. no hope for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy your Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> We're going to go over here and do this thing. <laughs> I remember learning from a chiropractor, Arnaud Bernier. He was this French chiropractor, amazing man. And he was one of my first chiropractic mentors. And I remember watching a video actually of him. And it was he was in a room sharing the vitalistic philosophy and about innate intelligence. Really beautiful. Yeah. And it was through a room full of chiropractors he was you know teaching it to. And, and he, you know, he shares all of this stuff. And, and uh, this guy raises his hand and said, this is all really great and this is beautiful and 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 so what happens when you know you share this with someone and they just either don't get it they're like no thank you or whatever right. it's like but you really know they need to get it and he's like four letters next next <laughs> yeah, next you know move on it's yeah. not about trying to convince someone of something they're not ready to change or accept you know it's it find the ones that they're on that path. Yeah. And I, and to your point earlier, like, well, what if men are like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, cool. Do, yeah. do some good, do some good work. I'll, I'll, I'll focus my energy over here. I'm not yeah. trying to convince you of anything. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing, man. Like it really is because there's a certain, um, strength and autonomy in not trying to convert. Right. I mean, look, look at like organized religion and like the, the, the perils that's gotten religion into where it's like you need oh, we're going there right? no no but i mean like you know it's like you need to convert and it's just like more often times than not people are like get fucked you know they're like i don't i don't you know like people will get very if you're that pushy but if you're also saying like i'm gonna do this thing if you think there's room for improvement check it out you know if you feel called basically and i think that there are but i think what i'm seeing is there's surprisingly amount of men who are actually called um and especially when i think what you would call a heart-centered guy who's got a, a good heart who wants to maintain some grit like yourself and tells the story appropriately. You know, I think the power of story is pretty real. And when the story is toward, told well, I think people start to, they start to listen or at least they open, right? Maybe they're, maybe the shield drops. Maybe they're not ready to, <laughs> to completely go in, but they, I think the door opens and I think that's, that's how it starts. You know, there's just a little bit of an opening. And if you get that opening, and nurture it like anything. I think people are like, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably be a little more accountable. I could probably do things a little better. Totally. And again, there just hasn't been the, the context for this. Yeah. And creating programs like this, or working with men one on one, or having groups, whatever it is, like it just didn't exist before, mm -hmm. right? So as we're doing this work, like. It's gonna. It's just gonna happen. People are gonna get turned on. I mean, what what people are doing for their personal growth and health now compared to 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it's completely changed. Yeah, it's different. Right? Yeah. Uh, ironically, most of the men I, that get referred to me get referred to me by their girlfriends or wives. <laughs> fix him. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They're fix like, this he needs shit. your help because yeah. they're not going to reach out for themselves. They're not yeah. going to say, yeah, you know, I, I could really uh, be more present with my wife and, uh, you know, <laughs> right. be showing up for the world in a much for more sure. powerful uh, way. Very true. And I mean, and there are men saying that and, yeah. and I'm, Thankfully, there are those men. You know, sure, I don't want to be on sure. this lone island. I mean, this is 
right. a lot more pervasive than than I think we we realize. Uh, but it's it's the women who are feeling this that are saying you need help, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's the synergy between the feminine and the masculine. That the yeah. man will just beat his head against the wall till it breaks, and the woman's like well, maybe we should get a tool for this or right. maybe there's a way we can, you know. Maybe there's a workaround, right? Maybe there's, maybe there's a hack here. <laughs> right, right. Maybe this is where hacks are needed. Well, I, I, got, I got a question slightly outside of, of this. I mean, it relates to what you're doing, but I, it's curious. It's more about the rite of passage piece. So um, some of my platform, I talk about, you know, the psychedelic use um, and it, from the therapeutic um relevance standpoint you know um i'm a big fan of maps you know the the psychedelic studies group that's doing the stuff to work on um, various different um, psychotropic drugs to or substances to help people process their things now in these rites of passages in traditional cultures you know a lot of them not all you know but a lot of them had the use of psychedelics um you know where um and sometimes they weren't even um necessarily fully psychedelic like uh i don't know if you caught the second episode of my podcast the one about combo medicine the the frog secretion the, the uh i did not i heard the one about the the psilocybin uh but i, I know about combo a you, bit. you've heard about it yeah so yeah. like that's one it's not psychedelic right but it's still a very gnarly vigorous process of puking and sweating and sometimes defecating but these 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 substances yeah right these, I, have, I have a kid i don't need that <laughs> right, right, <yeah. laughs> but they've had this basically the indigenous medicines right have had a hand um in these rites of passage in the past and just like, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, about that um, in, in the context of olden traditions, right? Some did, some didn't. But the, the use of um, entheogens and psychedelics as a way to, I don't know, further support this process. Just what are your thoughts on it? Not that I'm saying, you know, Michael, push this into your platform. I'm just more, I'm, it's more of a general inquiry, like your take on it. Yeah. Well, I've done LSD at Grateful Dead concerts. So, you know, rites of passage have definitely been experienced there. Um, (laughs) I I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that psychedelics can be, uh, I mean, they've been demonized and villainized in our culture. uh, But they're they're powerful medicines, like Mm -hmm. any medicine. Uh, Even just a baseline as a chiropractor, I've, I've always had the stance of there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. And too often we kind of go to the extremes because we wait until something is extreme sure. to do something about it. Uh, you know, and, but I've also have learned, experienced and realized that, yeah, there, that is definitely a way to access parts of ourselves that maybe we would not be able to access otherwise Mm -hmm. um i also am in the camp of we may not need those things there may Mm -hmm. be ways to access these parts of our our consciousness uh without external uh medicine and and i forgot the word trying to get the word i was trying to think of but i know what you mean uh, but not an external source essentially just an an internal yeah yeah. So, you know, I always like the story of Ram Das, you know, when he he was, you know, part of the whole uh, Millbrook studies up with uh, uh, in New York with LSD back in the 60s. They were a bunch of Harvard psychologists mm-hmm. and they were doing the first you know studies with LSD and they couldn't believe hippies in California were taking this stuff for yeah. to party on. Like and right. then when they met, it was like this weird, you know, intellectuals and, and hippies getting together to yeah. uh 
it, you know, how are you, what do you mean you're using it for this? So anyway, Ram Das went to India uh, and he spent time with the Maharaji and he, the Maharaji said, well, give me, let me see all that LSD that you're talking about. And he took out, I don't know how many hits of LSD yeah. and in front of him took all of it. All of it. I've heard this story. Yeah. You and he keep was telling like, that though. Yeah. Keep telling yeah, that. Yeah. And basically nothing happened to him. And he's like, you don't need that. That's not, that, it's not because of that, that you're experiencing this. Right. Right. Now that's a pretty extreme right. example yeah. there. Um, Someone who's pretty so, evolved too. Yeah. Yeah. So is there value there? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's some really deep wounding that people have experienced, whether it be through PTSD because yeah. of war or, you know, uh, really extreme situations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also think for exploration and people to get in touch with parts of themselves that, uh, you know, right now the buzz is ayahuasca and, and you know, plant medicine and going on these journeys. And mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm a little past that in my life. I don't, I don't feel the call yeah. to, to, to do any of that. Um, but I think the fact that people are wanting to go to new frontiers in their awareness and their consciousness and yep. these be tools for them to do that and it's done in a sacred, safe, yep. honoring way, I, I think there is a lot of value in yep. that. And I'm glad to see that it's becoming more uh, kind of normal in the culture for uh, – yeah. it's, it's more accepted. It's not as taboo as it was. Right. Uh, is great and you know some of these substances have been around they've been around for millennia they've been around forever long right time, so yeah. long time and uh so i think if things are done in a sacred way and and you know uh there's guides i think yep. that's hugely important yep. uh i think a lot of benefit can definitely be reached and i'd like to see that maybe uh the wounding hasn't gotten so bad that we need these extremes to go there and not that people are always doing it because of a wound right yeah it might just be for experiential going yeah. to new places. Yeah. So how this ties into, you know, I guess you brought it for ritual and rite of passage. Yeah, it's just yeah, uh, plugging into that. For, yeah. Uh, like I said, it wasn't a push for like a suggestion for you to take this into your work, but I was just curious in terms of like the larger context and goal of this type of work, right, is to get people open and accessed to their internal terrain to – improve and or heal wounds right like and for, and for men so i was just yeah you know. i would say go in a sweat lodge with that's completely dark and do some chanting and you can go to some internal terrain <laughs> so the there least. are to say the least there, there are some ways to access these places and that's the thing you know we have uh this potential to go to those places with or without yeah these these external agents, which is why I was telling that story about mm -hmm. the Maharaji and Ram Das. Uh, but I think there's total value there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I, I look at, you know, my, my, my in-laws and like the time of life that they were, uh, coming of age and, you know, in San Francisco in the late sixties, right. We know it was a, just such a poignant place in, in history and we, we time. Got, we got to give a shout out to Bob Critchfield on that. <laughs> <laughs> And Christy, for and Christy, sure. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I just know Bob yeah. was the was the journeying man. <laughs> well, you know, it's like they really, they fully, fully believed that they were going to transform the consciousness on the planet. Right. It was sacrament. 
yeah. that's that was real. It wasn't like, oh, we want to party. It was like, this is going to change the world. Right. I, I remember watching these videos of like the British Army in the 40s where they were doing these experiments with with LSD and because they thought it, it could be used as a, a tool in warfare to like basically subdue the, the, the enemy. Right. And you see these videos. You should go on YouTube. It's pretty hilarious. And oh, you see these soldiers on LSD and they're just like they're just laughing. They're like right. stumbling over one another. And it's like. Yeah, you take these people that are like they're they're being trained to kill, right? And then now they're just like, we're all one, everything's great. Why are we? Why are we doing? Why this? are we doing? Yeah. So if it has that potential and power, I'm like more power to it. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I I think what's what's nice about life in general, right? In the context of this conversation, that there are many paths to the top of the mountain, and most of them aren't wrong. You know, there there are definitely some that are that are going to hurt people, and those should be avoided. I think, but collectively right it's like if you've got a spectrum of you accessing people in this way and manner showing up in that way it's beautiful and if there's a demographic that are like maybe the Battlestar Galactica guy who's like 5G and like I need it and that's you know maybe he takes an ayahuasca journey and the door opens right and maybe he maybe it wouldn't be something that they need but I think it's just always kind of like in the larger context right of like the bigger mission of just getting people helping people you know there's so many different ways to like open the self you know and open up the stuff inside of us and um but like I said, you know, everyone's fulfilling their part and their role, which is pretty cool, which is what you're doing, you know, which is why I think it's so, yeah. it's great, man. It's really good work. Well, Michael, as we, as we wrap up here, is there, are there any other key threads that you want to touch on that you feel like are really relevant that we didn't get to or things that you would like to, you know, say or reiterate? <laughs> We went a lot of different places. We did, yeah, which is great. Man. Well, this is a nuanced conversation too. It's like it's a, it's like there's a central core and it's got a lot of things attached to it. And there's quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say you know just bringing it back to the context of like the the bigger purpose of our call and and specifically around the culture of men and what it means to have this mature masculine on the planet and. To really get that, it's we're at a pivotal moment in history and in time right now, and so much as we talked about is getting uh, brought to the surface and is being woken up, and it's it's really our our duty as men to uh, to step up in this way and do the work that's necessary. Uh, as we said before, the world is kind of a messed up place in a lot of ways right now, mm-hmm. and we we need to acknowledge that. And lack of a better way of saying it, be on the right side of history with this one, yeah. you know, and 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 do right by by what uh, our children need and and our children's children, and not to get too prophetic, but no, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be gone at some point. Yeah. And children will be here, ideally, yeah. and their children. Mm-hmm. And if 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 us showing up in a new way can make a difference for that, then it's it's worth it. Yeah. And and we need to do that. And it's not about being comfortable all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> Quite the yeah. opposite. Yeah. And 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 really uh, leave that legacy, and sit in that throne enjoy the fruits of your labor yeah you know again we're on to the next thing so much that it's like enjoy be in joy mm-hmm. like enjoy the process 
Don't, yeah. Although we've been using the word work a lot, like yeah. do the work and all of that, like don't make it work. Yeah. You know, make it make it like this is your mission. Uh-huh. This is your vision. You know, this is what. You, and I think men can use a mission. Yeah. They they you know we are that that's like our nature as as men is yeah. we need to be purpose driven. Uh-huh. When a man loses his purpose, he's dead. Yeah. So, I I agree. That's very very true. Well, the last piece of this, Michael, is if you've heard of um, the elevator speech, right? Like in, at some point in your life when the people have talked about like, what's your elevator speech for what you do? You know? Oh, boy. <laughs> so if you were to like, you know, in the, in the smallest nutshell, trimming all the fat, if you were to like put, you know, the shortest elevator speech in place, and I hate to put you on the spot. But, I love it. <laughs> but if you, were, if you were to say like what you're doing with this men's work, you know, in the, in the tiniest little nutshell – how, yeah. how would you describe it? We're igniting the king. Yeah. I like it. Igniting and the that's, king. Yeah. K-I-N. K-N-I-G. Right, right, right. We're igniting the king. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Well, great. Um, so, Michael, for, for um, you know, social media stuff, you know, your website, yep. um, where can people find you and the work you're doing? Is there, is there any stuff that we should, you know, know about where to, where to track what you're doing? Uh, sure. I mean, obviously I'm on Facebook, Michael Diamond, check it out. Um, I like to give my content there. Mm-hmm. Um, ignite the king.com in process, but Very cool. uh, that, that'll be up soon again. K N I G H T. So, uh, mostly Facebook and, uh, and the website forthcoming ignite the king.com. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Well, Thank you for your time. I Man, it was great to catch up with you because we haven't had like, a long conversation yeah. where I've seen your face in quite a while. So it was nice to have you here, man. And I, I appreciate the work you're doing. And it's, I'm confident it's going to do well and you're going to help a lot of people. So that's always a, that's a plus in my book. <laughs> and thank you for the work you're doing and having this platform that we can explore these topics. It's, uh, it's super valuable. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you bet. Well, thanks again, man. All right. All right Talk to care. you later.